So I was uh, I was just following some of the buzz on the portal. Seems like we're still in that Zalens heard waiting. Doesn't seem like it's great news. Um, Probably not. Right. But I guess more than anything else, the the reality is until it's announced, right, there's kind of like keep hope alive, keep hope alive. Sure, because, I mean, you would imagine uh, you don't give up, right, until uh, the decision has been made. I would imagine Oklahoma's going to continue to recruit. Now, you might have said, look, there's uh, – a financial line we're not going to cross, but look, we're here, and we'd love to have you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did see Pete Nakos had an article this morning um, where the Hawkeye fans, the Iowa fans, have raised over $100,000 in one day, and they've done it in a couple of straight days. Uh, I, I don't know who Bradley Heinrichs is. Maybe he runs it. Uh, he CEO of the Swarm Collective, which okay. would be the equivalent of, say, the Crimson and Cream okay. Collective. He said, we've crossed the 100,000 mark in one day. Thank you, Hawkeye fans. It's clear that people are starting to understand that the Swarm is vital to the success of Iowa Athletics. I'm hopeful that we can carry this momentum into the next few days and march towards one million. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know where OU's at in relation to that and really just kind of everybody. Henrix has been... Out in front. I mean, he mm-hmm. speaks a lot. He talks. To, so, you know, other CEOs of different collectives, I don't think are as out in front right. as maybe he is. So, it'd be it'd be curious to see how everybody compares because I can't imagine they're one of the the leaders in this forefront. But maybe maybe they are. Right. Maybe when you look at it, you realize, oh, there is a. Uh... I don't think they're doing bad, but right. well, and I. I think for fans, you want to see tweets like that, right? I, I think there's a certain faction. But I also think there's another faction to where it's like, why are you asking me for money? I, I already give this for my seat. I already give this for my donation to the university. Why are you asking me for more money? It's just very – I feel like it's a, it's a fine line, right? And there are some people like, I'll give. I'll give whatever. And then there's another faction that's like, I already give a lot. So it's – it's wild to me because I'm sure if you dug in through the mentions of any of these tweets, there's a certain faction of, yeah, let's go. This is awesome. And then there's this other side of, here we go again. You guys can, I already pay for this, this, and this, and, and I'm paying for this. You know, what, what more do I have to pay for around here, right? List the programs in your mind that right now, Sign me up. Uh, I'll donate. Michigan, right? You got Michigan. Sure, yeah. Michigan just won a national championship. Who else would be enough on the rise to I, where I think it it'd would, be an easy sell? It would be tough with Washington because they just lost their coach. Got gutted in that way. But You could rally support, though. I do think you could rally support. I, and here's the thing. We don't know... We don't know what's real and what isn't. That That's still the bottom line in all of this. And I know that there is this faction of, well, I want to know how much they got paid, and I want to know what this contract looks like. And I'll tell you what right now, if I was in a position where I was giving to a collective or if I was donating, I, I would, Josh, I would have a problem in not knowing how it's dispersed, right? It's like, okay, listen, I'll give you, you $500,000. 
But if I don't know what it's going towards, I don't feel comfortable with that. That's me personally. That's Chris Plank, right? You can put it under the umbrella of softball or women's basketball right. or football or all sports. But from there, you don't know. You don't know, right. And then I don't know, okay, well, it did did I give enough that actually helps? Did I, did I get a player to OU? Right. So that's just – that's where there's this great mystery. And, you know, I, I, I know people were asking Josie about it on – Friday during the Regents meeting, which I guess is now, what, almost a week ago. He can't talk about it yet, right? He's just saying, you know, we feel really good about our, our system and where it is, and that's just how it's going to be. Again, I compare this a lot to the NFL. I compare it a lot to the NFL. Who usually ends up spending the most money in free agency? Bad football teams. Yeah. Bad football teams. Um, you know, Washington was the king of it early on in Dan Snyder. Right, you don't, you don't see established the, the Chiefs going out and breaking the bank in free agency. You don't see uh, the Cowboys have have had a couple high profile signees, but it's you know, and, and I'm not trying to compare college to the NFL. It's just this is how I view, this is how I've looked at the NIL. Who ends up having to spend? Usually, like I don't know, the Raiders. You know, the Patriots have had to the last few years, and it hasn't gone well, right? So I see the people that are spending in NIL, and I see teams that don't have a lot of trophies. You know, oh, Ole Miss, Missouri, Louisville. But I also understand to where you'd like to be able, when there's a guy, I feel like this is a broken record. We talk about it nonstop. There's a guy that you want. You're like, I'd, I still want to be able to get them over Ole Miss, regardless of how much they're paying, right? Sure. Yeah. So, no new news, right? Is what we're, There's nothing on Zaylen Sir this morning. Uh, I, I was listening to Parker talk about it yesterday. We're, we're kind of shifting our focus to junior day, and I don't know how involved Oklahoma is going to be in any of these Bama or Washington guys right now. That's just the reality of it. Um, speaking of Iowa, is part of this push because they want to get Proctor? Is they feel like they can get him to Iowa? He got four crystal balls to Iowa yesterday. Really? So the expectation is that he's going to Iowa. But, hey, I've seen this play before. Right, right. I, I've been – it's like when people try to dismiss the Chiefs. Like, Chiefs suck. I'm like, buddy, I've seen this movie before. I've watched the AFC West closer than anyone. It was uh, it was pretty nasty when he flipped the commitment. I yeah, told you, you, this so you brought that up yesterday, yeah. So, to me, on some level, I, there's always going to be the allure in any situation to go home. Yeah. Right. I mean, we saw that here with Jordy Ball in Nebraska. Win a couple of titles, and the the allure to go home is tough to turn down. But man, when it gets nasty, it's like that's gonna be surprising if you you do go home. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, by the way, our portal updates, as always, are brought to you by Swift Co. Roofing and Construction. Call Brent Swift today at four zero five eight three one eight two two two. You hear Bear, eight. Two, two, two. Is that enough twos? Yeah. Four, Eight, triple two, baby. Thank you. And, of course, Barry Switzer preaches the praises of Brent Swift and Swift Go. Okay. Can I play the staple stuff when, when our fight about um, Nick Saban? I, Alabama, the future, sure. You tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Please be queued up to the right spot. Please be queued up to the right spot. What happens now? What happens with Alabama? And that's what – I wrote a column on Wednesday. Feel free to read it, add on three. And I let it off with this. If you want to laugh, Google the phrase Alabama recruits itself because I've seen that phrase 
quite a few times over the last week. Or I guess the last, yeah, the last week since Nick Saban retired. But it's not the case. Alabama doesn't recruit itself. No school recruits itself. It is a tooth and nail fight for every player in this era of college football. So once Nick Saban retires, those players who went through an entire portal window and said, nope, I'm not leaving because I want to play for Nick Saban. Now that they're playing for not Nick Saban, they're not all going to stay. And it is going to be absolutely wild. Mike Varell from the Seattle Times posted a crazy tweet on Wednesday showing the depth chart from the national title game that happened nine days ago. All the Washington players on the depth chart, basically, either their eligibility has expired, they've gone to the NFL, or they're in the transfer portal. Kalen DeBoer, he's at Alabama now. Maybe some of them will follow him. Maybe they will replace people who left because they're playing for not Nick Saban. Joseph in the chat, it's not really a sport for you because your career is all about BS. I'm sorry that you hate change and fear change. I'm sorry it scares you. <laughs> sorry, Joseph. The rest of us are just enjoying the football. More people are enjoying it. We've seen the ratings. We know this. And this is going to be a crazy time in the sport. Because for a lot of fan bases who have felt hopeless in the past era, there is hope now. And a lot of it it isn't just the NIL transfer portal stuff. It is Nick Saban retiring. I mean, we talked about that for years. Every offseason, I get the question like 100 times. It's the Dear Andy show tonight. How many Dear Andy columns, be it at at SI or the Athletic, how many in the offseason had the Nick Saban, what, what if he retires, what happens when he retires question? I could have done it every week if I'd have wanted to. I got it every single week from somebody. But back then, be it five years ago, eight years ago, we didn't know that these other changes would be coming. And so we didn't know exactly how it would look when it happened. Now we do. Dustin in the chat. Sorry, I meant to mute it. I meant to mute it before that. So basically his point is, this is opening it up for more people, not just because of the portal, but because of Saban retiring. Now, I don't know if necessarily I agree with that. But I do agree with, hey, you know, now suddenly Alabama's got to go out. They can't recruit themselves anymore. True Sooner in our chat says, well, OU softball can recruit itself. Can it? What happens if Patty Gasso were to retire? I think that there would be a lot of people that would stick around because they have the infrastructure where it would be JT or Jen Rocha grabbing that torch and moving on. And, mm-hmm. and they, so I, I, it might be a little bit of a different situation. But you have to expect some sort of mm-hmm. initial drop off or players leaving, a reshuffling of the deck in some way, shape, or form. Because guess what? It, you, ju- you just don't automatically replace the GOAT. You don't. You don't. No. So. The one phrase that I, I missed because I, I couldn't take any more reading of the chat, if you will. <laughs> Everything that has been Alabama Nick Saban football 
is kind of irrelevant to keeping this class together and going forward in 2024. That's not to say if DeBoer wins this year, suddenly it's like, okay, all right, they're rolling. But for this this group of guys who has now already seen one coach leave, right, and a head coach gone and now a whole new group coming in, I mean, you could sell Nick Saban, Nick Saban, Nick Saban all you want, and Nick Saban's still going to be around, but he's not your head coach, and he's not involved in the day-to-day operations. I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm not – I've talked with Pastor Adam about this a lot in the past, Adam Starling, and, I, and we would always say, man, is this year when, when Nick Saban retires? Is this year? Because you do feel like it opens it up, right? You really do. So just some interesting perspective from those who eat, sleep, breathe, live college football about what the, the current state, if you will, looks like with Nick Saban moving on. They're still, what are you looking at, 2025 recruiting classes right now? Wow, OU's number three in the 2025 class? Yeah, they've got a great start with nine commits. Yeah, and, let's go. You know, junior day, maybe you'll add a couple more to this. But, look, uh, Notre Dame one, LSU two, Oklahoma three, Auburn. Auburn four? Mm. I mean, boy, you talk about uh, a happy fan base. they got to be saying to themselves, finally. Finally. Finally, it's over. Ohio State, Georgia six, and obviously we're early here, but uh, – Look, I'm all the way past 20, uh, 27, 27, Alabama, two commits. Mm. Not good. Not good. And, listen, they got to prove themselves. Hey, you know what? Here's the thing. We lived this, right? We lived this in Norman. It was a little different. Um, it was a little different world because Bob had Lincoln – that replaced Coach Stoops. And Lincoln, to his credit, had really done a pretty good job of making Oklahoma football all about what? All about Lincoln, right? And his offense and, and, and the skill players and the Heismans. And it was brilliant. We thought it was going to be that way for years and years and years. And we lived this whenever he left. And everyone said, you're doomed. This is it. Everyone's gone. Lincoln Raleigh's But you brought in a guy that said, I got to tear this thing. I got to strip it to the studs. I'm going to start over. It's going to be painful, but we're going to get to where we need to go. And we believed, I think, for the most part. There's, you know, you, you could fight and scratch and claw on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line or on message boards, right? Everyone's going to feel their, their certain sort of way. Kalen DeBoer's coming in, and he can't say that, <laughs> right? You're, pick, you're taking over for a team that just was an overtime play away from being in the national championship game and maybe winning that national championship game, right, against your Washington Huskies. You can't say, well, you know, it's going to be a process now that Nick Saban isn't here. No, no one's. It's Alabama. It's Alabama, man. They, they've been the standard bearer. Right. I, I think Oklahoma fans, there was a little bit of wiggle room because we're like, yeah, you know what, our defense really wasn't where it needed to be. And if we're going to the SEC, we got to get bigger, stronger, and better inside. Yeah, well, you you hadn't been – Blame. Standard for college football, right? No, oh, exactly. The, the issues with Oklahoma's defense were longstanding. Alabama's been the standard, and I know I've talked to Ryan Fowler about this. You know, and Ryan was really open and honest about. It. He's like, "Listen, I believe in Kalen DeBoer. He's like, I think he's going to do a great job. He's like, but if you think you're just going to be able to live on it's Alabama football without Nick Saban, that's going to be tough because when you go in those rooms and 
if it's not NIL that's making the difference, you know, it's, all right, NIL matters to me, but I want to go with the, the place where I can win and develop myself for the N- in NFL. I mean, you, you don't have Nick Saban <laughs> that you're competing against, right? It's a different world. How about this? Try this on for size. Caleb Williams was a substantial loss. That's right. Heisman Trophy winner. He's about to be the number one overall draft pick. Could be uh, a long time great Agreed. in the NFL, Agreed. right? We'll see on that front. But he was a terrific college quarterback, and it was a substantial loss for Oklahoma. Alabama's defections right now, are they more substantial than mm-hmm. what Oklahoma faced? Yeah. I think they are. Yeah. And would Alabama fans feel that they're more substantial than Oklahoma fans felt in the moment that Oklahoma's losses were? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Oklahoma fans were pretty panicked for a moment, but then that settled with Venables and Bob Stoops before him and and Gundy, their ability to keep that recruiting class, for the most part, intact. Right, I mean, they did a great job closing that initial signing class that Venables had basically a month to work with to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily happened for this upcoming class for Alabama. They've had a bunch of transfer portal exits of high-profile guys, too. True, true. Dude, that's a great question. I would but argue I would say- it's been more damaging to Alabama maybe than even Lincoln Riley was to Oklahoma leaving. Yeah, and, and I would add – you know, we've, we've had Cole Kublik on this show quite a bit, and he had said, you know, I wonder if still having Nick Saban around, if he's willing to. And if Kalen DeBoer says, hey, man, I need help getting it over the I – need, I need help getting to the end zone with Proctor, right, or with Downs. Can you go talk to him? And, and Cole had theorized that may, maybe that's a place where Nick Saban can help out. Well, maybe for these guys, they realize that that little Nick Saban discount they'd been taking was more substantial than they ever realized, right? It's going to be and, – and here's the thing. This will not play out very long. I mean, these guys got to make these decisions pretty quick, right? These They got to make these decisions pretty quick. Eric Bailey will join us coming up at 1035. We'll get his take on this from an Oklahoma perspective. But let's, uh, let's dive into the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Um, I will say that true. You not many people agree with you on on when when Coach Casso retires that, that Oklahoma will still be able to recruit itself. Uh, the four hundred five. There's no way replacing Nick Saban or Patty Gasso doesn't affect your program. Pure delusion if you think it doesn't. Oh, you softball fans are delusional. When Patty retires, there will be a decline just like Bama football. And again, my my counter to that would be I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think I think you're right. Patty's the goat. Oh, you might have a little bit more stability on it. It's side. a little different feeling whenever you do have what you view as in Coach Rocha and in Coach JT people that could be next to run this program and that have been here for a long, long time. Right, but there is no doubt she's uh, she's the goat, and it it shows you, you know, that's what Nick Saban has done. At Bama is a lot like what Coach has done here at Oklahoma. Sure. How many times have we compared the two? Incessantly. All right, quick break. When we come back to the text, and then uh, Eric Bailey, right around the corner on the ref. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sleepy Sooner, I'll be in touch. Sleepy Sooner reached out from one of the collectives and said, I'd love to come on. 
Um, I, I and I know. Yeah, we've met. We met a couple of times. I'd love to get you on. Sleepy Sooner works for the collective. I, I think in a roundabout way. I think he's like on the board. Okay. But I'd love to get, as the kids would say, learned up. Yeah, absolutely. Learned up on it. Um, I, I think the only que- the question that arises from ye- uh, last segment is this. You know, does the retirement of Nick Saban and then the ensuing exodus of Alabama talent, does it signal to some people that, okay, obviously this is unique with a coach retiring, but we still need to do something. This is this is unfair to Bama, which I'm sorry, I, I laugh as it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Boo-hoo for Bama, right? You yeah. win, everyone wants to see you crumble. But uh, Cruton Therapist, I thought, had a good take. He goes, the only recruit itself that occurs is among the athletes who are three-star-ish who are not going to pull tons in NIL. The rest are driven by money and playing time. Uh, Brazilian Sooner. Certain legends are never replaced, and usually there is a transition period. Never thought Nebraska would go this long after Dr. Tom retired. Now, and, and keep in mind, I think that some people are just really dumb. Not you, obviously, Brazilian Sooner. In the way that they portray Nebraska's struggles. It's like, oh, what happened to Nebraska once they got to the Big Ten? Nebraska was pretty good in the Big Ten its first few years. They just made horrible decisions at head coach and athletic director. That's where they screwed up. And they probably bailed on Frank Solich too quickly. They didn't realize what they had. And the recruiting landscape changed. Oh, significantly. I mean, that – Sean, I don't know how many times he's called in and talked about their walk-on program. So I mean, true. Once, once that went by the wayside, it's just a different world. Just a different world. And, look, uh, you'd like to say that a Nebraska could recruit as well as, you know, this program or that program, but it's not uh, it's not Ohio or Michigan that you're recruiting in. You're not in right. the state of Florida. You're not in Texas. And they fell off the map. And once you fall off the map, it's tough to get back on when you're not in one of those fertile recruiting grounds. Chapstick, I'm glad you enjoyed the game last night. Thanks for checking in today. He won our OU men's hoop stickings yesterday. He writes, the talent deficit DeBoer had at Washington won't be suffered in the SEC. He won't be able to just go to his two deep. This will be Bama's downfall. He adds, as a parent, I would suggest that my kid get NDAs when dealing with collectives. I'm actually surprised the collectives don't already require them. Just keeps all this stuff out of the public eye. I'm, I'm not sure that they don't, but I'll have to. Like I said, I got sleepy sooner now. I got a source. I got a source. Um, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Applies here, according to Five Star Randy. And then, um, it's good to see Nova Sooner back. Nova Sooner tweeted, "Nova's back from chemo and COVID." And ready to give Chris a hard time. Well, I'm so glad you're back, Nova Sooner. Prayers up, buddy. We're um we're gonna talk about where Oklahoma is on the collective side of things and where they are as far as the Cruton world next. Eric Bailey is gonna join us, plus a little softball talk in there as well. Tulsa World, OU beat rider. It's been a little bit of a different world over the last couple of weeks. For the Sooners, we'll talk about it with Eric Bailey next, right here on the ref. Very excited to welcome in our next guest. He is the OU beat writer for the Tulsa World. Eric Bailey is in the house. What's going on, Eric? Are you staying warm up there in T-Town? 
hey, the sun's shining, the snow nice. is melting, it's a glorious day, and then it's going to get cold tomorrow. So <laughs> enjoy Thursday. That's what I'm going to do. Boy, Tulsa got hammered. I mean, it really did, uh, as opposed to what we got here in, in Norman. Hey, E, real quick, before we dive into some college uh, football offseason talk, good win for the Sooners last night in beating West Virginia 77-63. to Got to win your home games in this league, right? It's going to be tough on the road. Heck, a losing record might have you fourth or fifth place in this league right now. It's just a beast, but that's a good win for Porter Moser, isn't it? It was important to get one, get on the right side of things after last week, and you're right, going on the road in this in this conference is going to be tough, no matter what venue you go to. I think I think Houston's finding it out right now. They're finding out what Big 12 basketball is all about. It was funny. I did a story on uh, Ryan Miner last week, and I talked to Kelvin Sampson and Kellen Sampson to talk about what it was like seeing Kellen grow up around Ryan Miner, and Kelvin had some good thoughts. And me and Kellen were just kind of talking after the interview, and we talked about the Big 12 and Kellen talked about, man, this is a game you have to be ready to play every night. You can't have any off nights at all. It's a big difference from the American Athletic Conference. You know, all due respect to the AAC, but when Houston made the jump to the Big 12, I think they're finding out how tough it is to win in this league. And all you have to do is look at UCF. Look, They got wins over KU and Texas this year already. That's pretty incredible. So this league... Any win you can get is going to be a big win. I think Porter Mosier with last night's win, uh, getting things red, you know, turned around and winning at home. That you got to protect home floor. You're right. It's you know, we, obviously we've we've all been on Portal Watch uh, since the end of the football season and the portal opened up, but it's kind of wild. I think it's affected basketball more than it has any other sport, Eric. I mean, I'm especially with the two-time transfers now being allowed the second transfer, I guess I should say, but it's just. I mean, it's crazy. It, it, everyone is different. I talked to Porter about it a while back. I mean, he's had to rebuild his roster seemingly every single year. No, you're right. You're exactly right. And that's something that he didn't have to do at Loyola. I mean, at Loyola, he was able to develop a culture. He had three- and four-year guys who came to school there, and he, he got to mold them, and, and there was there was a culture there. Mm-hmm. Now with the era of the portal, you just don't get that anymore. And I think that's the thing that everyone's trying to figure out is you know what you know what kind of culture can you build uh so i think that 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 says a lot to what porter how he's adapting to it the year that he's having you know it was going to be it's, it's a tough any you know the, that's transit making transitions is tough when you're a new coach and i think everything's coming to fruition now for coach Mosier. we knew he was a good coach coming in uh and he's getting his way across right now so good for him so Ian, i want to know just from your perspective how challenging it's been to try to cover the portal in football, and because <laughs> it's you don't really know, um, you, you got to rely on social media as far as visits are concerned. What has that challenge been like for you? It's tough. It really is, and you know you can be sitting there, and all of a sudden something blows up on social media, and people start sharing things, and. You know, you look at the numbers that Oklahoma had depart this year, just departures. Let's just talk departures. Mm-hmm. I think they had 17, 18 players leave, and now you're going to have uh, at least 12 new faces coming in. It's it's crazy, and you just can't keep up with all of it. Your head's spinning if you try to. And uh, it's not even the people that are leaving and the people that are staying, or that are, are, are coming, mm-hmm. people that are staying. You, you know, for a while there, we wondered about Danny Stutzman. We wondered about Billy Bowman. Uh, Woody Washington, that was good news for Oklahoma fans, for him to return because you bring veteran guys back. So, uh, it, it, 
and, and this year you only had two players declare early for the NFL draft. You had Andrew Rame and Tyler Guyton. Uh, that's it. And, and five years ago, the NFL draft was the reason a lot of these guys left. So it, it's a different world. It's hard to cover because you just don't know what's going to happen and when, you know, when guys are going to pull the trigger. And, you know, we're not done yet. After spring ball, we may have a little minor little wave after spring ball of guys coming and going too. So uh, it, was, it was a weird portal season, Plank. It really was. I think, you know, the, the big news this year was Caden Green. That was the one. I think that was the big news, of the, you know, just to see him leave. And, I, and I've said this before, you know, no matter what, and not just in Caden's situation, but all the situations with guys like Dylan Gabriel and Tolly Walker, I'm always going to pull for the player, no matter what. I want them to have their best time in college. I want them to be happy. I know it's tough for OU fans to see some of these players leave. Uh, but in the same sense, some of these players coming in, I, I just want them players to be happy. I'm always going to be on the side of the player, uh, no matter what. Uh, so that's that's why I'm kind of happy for everyone that's making these moves. They're just looking for for something different. So with that in mind, I feel like every day there's a different fight. And and I think maybe we should make it clear. Eric is a real-world journalist, so he just doesn't throw S off the wall and see if it sticks. He double and triple sources things, and you make sure that you get it right. With that in mind, should fans be concerned whenever they see some of the the spending that's done at the Ole Misses and the Missouris of the world and they feel like that they're being outspent right now? Or do you feel like what Britton Venables wants in this program, that Oklahoma is in a good spot when it comes to the portal and some of these competitions with other players uh, and getting players? You know, the key is Brent Venables has a plan. That football program has a plan. They're not doing this and thinking, oh, we'll try it with this player this way. We'll do it with this player this way, and we'll see what happens. I think Oklahoma, they, they're really, really smart about what they do, how they do things. You know, from the top down, it starts with Joe Castiglione. But I think with Brent Venables, he has a plan. He has a plan in place. Now, we're all, this is all new to everyone, too, the portal and, and NIL and everything. Everything's so new that there's going to be some bumps. There's probably going to be some times when you say, well, maybe are we doing this the right way or not? You might question yourself a little bit. But the key is being true to what you believe in. And I think that's what we're seeing with Oklahoma and Brent Venables and his football program. They're being true to what they believe in. And, uh, they, you know, they want guys that'll, that'll, that are bought in. They want guys that understand this is how they're doing things. Uh, but you're right. When you look at schools like Missouri and Ole Miss, uh, they're, 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 they're pulling guys in. They're, they're throwing money out there. They're really doing whatever they can. Uh, and I think they're doing that just to – yeah, for just lack of a better word, all, with all due respect, to be relevant. They want to make sure that they find their footing in, in the SEC and they know that they need to get those players to compete. And good for them, in a way. I mean, they're, they're, they're being uh, proactive. They're throwing a lot of money out there. They're, they are being proactive to get the players in. Now, is it going to pay off in the long run? We'll see. Uh, my, my biggest question through all of this, Chris, is, you know, what happens in five years when, you know, all this money you're throwing out now, is that money still going to be there in five years yeah. uh, for all the schools? So we'll, 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 I think in the year 2029, 20, 2030, we'll be looking back and say, man, that was, the, that was the bit time to get paid because there's not as much money out there now. I also, I had a lot, Josh Pate is a guy that, I don't know if I've ever listened to Josh's, pod, Josh's podcast, but nobody ends up in my podcast or in my Twitter feed more than some of his video clips and he and he tweeted something yesterday where he's like boy it's going to be wild when we look back in five years and think about people crowdsourcing for nil money whenever there's revenue sharing but from everything that i've seen i 
listen, I don't know how it compares because I don't know what's real, right? We, we, we don't know what re- what's real number-wise out there. Well, maybe I'll start there. How hard has it been to confirm solid numbers and what's really out there being spit, Eric? It's, I, it's been impossible for me. What's it been like for you? I think that's the word you use is impossible. We hmm. don't know. I mean, we don't have access to any of those contracts. We don't know what these players are doing. And the surprising thing, Chris, is that it really hasn't been – broadcast more uh, more i thought we'd know numbers more now after they started this i thought we'd know how much these guys were making what the market is for a quarterback what the market is for an offensive lineman what the what the going rate is we don't know we don't know and uh that that's probably the most you know the most surprising thing to me and even the big guys i mean the big papers the the the, the investigative reporters no one has access to these numbers right. and it's really really crazy and i know my bosses are saying you know what we should do a story on how much these players are getting paid <laughs> and it i kind of i don't know how to say it. it's 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 difficult it really is you know outside of uh, sneaking in and trying to find people's tax records or breaking into the offices at OSU and OU or or where they keep NIL numbers there's no way you know so i i'm really curious that's something you know that what what is the number game i don't know it it really is it's a, it's a head scratcher it really is uh, and then in that from what we've been able to put together do you get the sense that Oklahoma's competitive and in a good spot because i do I feel like it gets dinged because they're not as out there like the Ole Misses are of the world and the Missouris are of the world. But I feel like in certain instances, when they want to be competitive, they can be. Yeah, I think so. And that's the thing. The, the Ole Misses and the Missouris of the world are going to, when they land someone, they're going to make a lot of noise to make the biggest splash. Yeah. That's, that's just what they, they're going to do. But Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma's Oklahoma. It's a blue blood. It doesn't need to do that. It doesn't need to say, hey, we got this player. Hey, we got this. Uh, you celebrate who you have coming in. I mean, and it, who knows? We don't know who the next star is going to be. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a good example is Deion Burks, that, the wide receiver from Purdue. I think that that's going to be a huge get for the Me Sooners. Too. And, of course, there was a little bit of traction when he said he was going to OU, but you really didn't really go deep into it. Now, if a Missouri or we just say Missouri, the only reason we keep mentioning them because that's the only two schools. There's other schools out there. But if it, a Missouri or, or an Ole Miss, gets a receiver like that, it's big news. They're blowing it up. It's going crazy. But Oklahoma, you're a blue blood. You don't have to do that. So I think Oklahoma, Brent Venables, again, they have a plan. I think that Venables, the talent that he has coming in, he, he, he I think we saw year two talent on the portal make instant impacts. I wouldn't be surprised if this third year of portal activity under Venables is going to make an impact next year. Eric, what was your general reaction to the Nick Saban retirement and as you've watched uh, a series of dominoes unfold since the hiring of Kalen DeBoer, some transfer portal departures, flips of commitments, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of all of it now? What was your initial reaction, and wh- where is Alabama now in the SEC pecking order? You know, initially I wasn't shocked. I was surprised probably because he's just one of those coaches you thought was going to coach forever. I mean, you just never seen him stepping down and – uh, you knew there would be a time, but you just didn't know when. And, uh, you know, we, we see these interviews, how it was just starting to wear on him a little bit. And uh, he's going to go down as one of the greatest ever. I mean, that's just that's easily said. I mean, he's, he's Bear Bryant territory. He's guys that he, he turned that program around, and he made them so dominant over the years. I don't know when the next time we'll see a, a program be as dominant as Alabama over that long period of time. 
And, and you're right. It, it, talk about the domino effect. You're seeing a lot of you know jobs opening up. You know, Washington has to hire a coach. Arizona has to hire a coach. Uh, and now Alabama is hiring uh, mid-level head coaches, smaller-level head coaches to join the staff. Now those openings will come up. So there'll still be some domino effect there. Uh, you know, San Diego State, schools like that, schools that need new coaches. So it, it's, it just shows you how much this spider webbed out. Uh, it caught me off guard, yeah, but I think uh, it was, you know, I understand exactly why he did it. Uh, and it's kind of like Coach Stoops. I mean, Coach Stoops, Coach Stoops knew when it was time, and that shocked everybody. And uh, I know the Alabama fans are, you know, in a state of wonder, just like Oklahoma was when they changed coaches too. Uh, you're, you're so used to tradition and coaching. Uh, what it means long-term for the Crimson Tide, man, I, I'm really curious what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to be a new structure, a new foundation, a new culture. Everything's going to be so new. I mean, I think they'll still get the players, but uh, everyone's going to be under the microscope at Alabama. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in year one. Uh, you know, every, the expectations are going to be high. Just because you're a new coach doesn't mean that the expectations change. So I'm really, really curious to see how this year goes for Alabama uh, outside, you know, outside non-conference and ACC play. It's going to be really interesting to watch. All right, now the most important question. How has softball dad life been this offseason, and are you ready for Patty Gasso's crew to take the field here in a couple weeks? Uh, you know what? I, I had my daughter put down. She hasn't picked up a ball or a bat in two months. It was just wearing on her. You know, you play 100 games a year. You go to school ball, and she was wore out in November, uh, Mandy, so – she hasn't picked a ball up. We're getting ready to start back up. Her her school workout starts this week. Her travel team starts this week. So, uh, yeah. So she's she's ready to go. I think she did really fed her hunger. So we're looking forward. To, you know, softball dad's excited. He always is though because <laughs> it's running out. She's she's a freshman this year. Oh, I mean, wow. I think about the year, the years. The years are going. It will be done pretty soon. It's going to it's going a lot faster than I expected. So we're looking forward to that. Patty Gasso. Hey Chris, we're two weeks away. I know. That's incredible. That we're just two weeks away, and that's going to be. I can't wait to see what this team's like. We got a really good taste of it in the fall, but I, I'm anxious to see what this team's going to be like on the dirt. Uh, you know, coming up now in in this spring, I really am excited. I mean, I think a lot of Oklahoma fans are excited to see how this team reacts to a new roster. But then there's we say it's a new roster, but there's so many veteran leaders on this team. So uh, I'm I am so anxious. I'm so anxious to see how this pitching staff works out. I want to see what the rotation is going to be like. Of course, you know Coach Gasso will probably use those first couple of weeks to get a feel for her pitching staff. But once we get to, once we get to Big Twelve play, I'm anxious to see what that Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation is going to be like. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm anxious for it. This is this is a fun time of year, and I'm jealous of you. I assume you're going to be in Mexico in two weeks, right? That is true. That is true. I'll be in Puerto Vallarta. So. You're going to get the gorgeous weather. I mean, you're going to, yeah, we'll be freezing up here, and you're going to just be living the, your best life in Mexico. Uh, you know, everyone tells me I have the best job in the world. I, I think I'm second to you, <laughs> I think you got the best job in the world. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thanks, Eric, uh, and I appreciate you finding time for me, man. You're the best. All right. Hey, Chris, thanks again. You guys have a good weekend, okay? You're the best. Uh, Eric Bailey, at Eric Bailey TW. Yeah, I, I will say for me, it's very exciting. I love the hotel life. I'm weird like that. I love love that. Well, I guess when you sleep on the couch every night, you love the hotel life because you get that bed, right? Swanky. It's beautiful.
I do the Toby thing. I walk in the hotel. I'm like, look at this guy. Yeah. All right. Little mini bar. Little mini good bar. TV, right? Where's the remote? Remote's right there. It's not wrapped in a plastic bag. That's good to see. That is one of the best bits that uh, T-Row has ever concocted. Well, I, and it, he's been the architect of many a good uh, Yeah. Bit. Well, and it was funny because whenever I heard, I was listening whenever he was talking about it on the air. And I was like, I do the same thing. And I'm sure a lot of people had that reaction. I walk in like, look at you. <laughs> Brilliant. Man, there's been times where you walk in like, look at this little guy. Look at this little guy. Oh, this, is, this is tight. I like this. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. All right, quick break. We'll put a wrap on hour two. Get you ready for the top five stories today next. You've been busy today with some of the news, right? Iowa gets gets the job or is it gets how you say her name uh, that's beth goats goats oh it's close it's gets but yeah. oh is it okay <laughs> she's a goat because she got rid of brian ference oh okay so in everyone's mind she's the one responsible for getting rid of him oh yeah yeah well, she's gotten okay. a lion's share of the credit i like it i like it and uh then of course you're following all the kane proctor news as well so following along it's been a busy day for josh off the air is maybe the best way to put it. From the 918, I like this off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I like how Eric implied doing a Watergate-style operation on OU offices. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like you see the flashlights flying. What's going on in there? And everything I think of with Watergate reminds me of Forrest Gump. I agree. <laughs> that, that is basically our understanding of Watergate. I listened to an entire podcast on Watergate, and it was really well done, and I learned so much. And then in the end, all I could think about was – Forrest Gump seeing the flashlights and calling security. Uh, and, and, then and they're for, keeping me awake. And from the 405, softball, the softball team should find a way to play Nebraska. Jordy shouldn't get a pass for going home, LOL. I, by the way, there's, they're, being, they're having fun with that. Um, if there is one thing that I have learned about the way that the college softball selection committee kind of engineers the postseason they've got a flair for the dramatic so i'm willing to bet if there is a situation as far as a regional or a super regional is concerned yeah, get ready for the huskers they're gonna find a way to put oklahoma in that realm all right uh when we come back top five stories today it's the plank show right here on the ref